0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am kind of Europe. Marler, I, I got a question for you that I, I think I know how you're going to answer this, but I, I do Yeah, I threw some things. I threw some things. Who's more hurt, you or Tua?
1: Oh, man. Man, I was, I was not. I, I mean, I'm going to say him, but I
0: was not happy. I was not happy. I will say that. The big news in college football on Saturday night, obviously Tua goes down with the ankle injury, expected to be a one to two week thing. That was these, the, the biggest storyline in college football on Saturday night, with maybe the exception of Wisconsin losing to Illinois, something like that. We're going to talk about that. We have a lot of stuff that we're going to get to. It was kind of it was just a weird week in the SEC where you have Mizzou losing to Vandy out of nowhere. You have Georgia getting shut out for uh, the better part of that game against Kentucky at home in this wet and r- windy conditions. Uh, in Did you Athens. know that
1: Georgia had to play in the rain?
0: I, I heard that from a couple people. From a couple people. <laughs> Uh, we want to talk some things uh, related to, to Joe Burrow and, and Tua and this matchup that we're getting closer and closer to with, with Bama and LSU. We're, of course, going to talk about all of the inept officiating that cool, was this weekend. Cool. South Carolina fans, don't worry. We will get there. And, yes, we're not going to take away from Florida's victory, yeah. but we are going to discuss
1: that. I'm glad you said it. South Carolina fans, we are going to get there. Florida fans, we're going to get there as
0: well. And it's not a detriment
1: to anything that you did. or nope. it's not. It's not talking trash about anything y'all accomplished on the field.
0: Uh, Our locks of the week, uh, mine not so great. Yours did better than mine. Yours did better than mine. we did whatever. It was fine. We were were okay. We're, of course, going to get some week nine lines, hopefully with the same success rate that we did last week. That's all you, brother. You're killing that. I I hope so. And then we've got Ed Talks as well, of course.
1: We have to say this. This is the Bon Voyage episode. So a little peel behind the onion. Connor and I have already already had a little tiff, which is not either one of our faults but we have just been this apartment is the worst most wretched place to record a podcast ever we I got up this morning we were going to record early there was a damn marathon going outside with a bunch of people you know what and I know you uh, we were both upset about it you know what the most offensive thing out of all this was Connor is these idiots their whole theme that were cheering that I put on Instagram they were holding up donut boxes there wasn't a single donut down there and I went down there to check you know I did there was They were holding up empty Krispy Kreme boxes. I'm. I. You know what? I just. I've had enough. We're moving tomorrow. There's I'm donuts ready for at it. the
0: finish. It's the. You hold up the box to motivate people to say, "Hey, here's what you
1: get if you." you get don't get to wake me Kreme up at 7:30 on a Sunday with holding up empty box of donuts because you have piqued my interest.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I can understand that. That frustration. Before we do all of that, tell us about our best friends at Texas Pete.
1: Oh, another great Saturday football. Tua went down. I'll tell you what, Tua. You ever heard the thing about rice, rest, ice? <laughs> what is it? Yeah, yeah. Rice Cold. is uh,
0: rest, um, ice, compression, and uh, elevation. That's what right, it is, right, right. So you you want to rest. You want to call ice on whoever
1: whoever hurt you first off. I'm pretty sure that's yep. how this goes. And then um, compress uh, your feelings into a glass case of emotion, so you don't. So you have an outburst, and then elevation, and and just be above all your haters. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what that stands for. You don't need rice right now. What you need is some Texas Pete, and I know I did yesterday, because if, I think there's so many fans out here that would agree, it was a perfect day to eat my feelings, and your feelings, not you personally, but I'm saying, like, people that do that. Um, I ate my feelings a little bit yesterday, that's Did that's you? It, yeah, so, I did. How was the weather down there? I, I know we started the podcast off twice in a row with, <laughs> with weather the well,
0: so I, I woke up and my power was out for the first four hours of the day, so that this was, was not ideal. Spot. For four hours? For four hours. I went over time. to Chick-fil-A, got... Got myself uh, and my wife some some food because it was like Michael Scott and Survivor Man. It's been like two hours since I've eaten. I <laughs> I'm be able to eat again. So I made sure I, that I, I got some Chick Fil A in the morning.
1: I went and got it. I went Chick Fil A. I'm I'm assuming the rest of that story is that you uh, told somebody behind the counter that your power is out and then they just left work, came over to your house, fixed the power themselves because that's what Chick Fil A always does. But
0: yeah, they uh, pretty
1: much yeah. Um, Anyway, so yesterday was a great day for Eating Feelings. It was like cold and rainy and gross here for the entire day. I was trying to get up emotionally for this Bama game at 9 o'clock. And, and finally, you know, I was on TV. That was cool. Yes. Um, we had a lot of fun stuff at the house. And the night before in Atlanta was beautiful. I don't know if you live in Atlanta, anybody listening. The sunset, the sky, it was incredible. Those pictures everywhere on the internet. I took some. They weren't as good. Regardless, we sat there and looked at each other around 11.30. And Allie was like, she had so much stuff to do. So much stuff to do. And she was like... I just kind of got to put on a pot of chili, and I was like, "Oh boy, if there's you know what, if there's one thing you you could you could douse in, in Texas Pete besides uh, besides everything chicken, else, besides yeah. everything else, it's chili." So we had ourselves a day. Went down to Publix, got myself a brand new bottle of Texas Pete. It's like it's like in a new car. It's real fun. It that new Texas Pete smell is my favorite. Um, so we came back up. We doused in some chili, uh, doused some Texas Pete in some chili. I know a lot of you guys sent in some pictures of your own recipes. I got a, I got a video of Tommy O'Rourke just filling up a shot glass of it. Then the video cut off. A little bit worried about you, Tommy. Please make sure you let us know you're fine. Um, but you are always fine when you use Texas Pete on your game day cuisine so make sure you're going to texaspeak.com check out some of the recipes check out uh sds on twitter we've got a couple of videos with yours truly talking about some honestly some great great recipes there's a cucumber lime salad on there which i never thought i would say would be good that's some Texas Pete dust on it yeah. but make sure you're sending us pictures as well of your tailgates and recipes using the hashtag sauce like you you guys are the best um keep sending those pictures in it's made my day yesterday
0: Tua probably could have just rubbed some Texas Pete on his ankle, and he would have been fine, I think. So it's fair to say that. Ad, just a casual five-minute ad read for me. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. No big deal. So Tua last night, and we're going to talk about this, and then people are going to say, oh, you just want to talk about Bama, whatever. Listen, anybody arguing that, that we're talking about Tua's ankle injury at the top of this, he's the leading Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy getter, uh, Heisman Trophy person in terms of the odds and all he that stuff. He's he hasn't an gotten a one Heisman Trophy, Connor. Yeah, my bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> He goes down on Saturday night, and Bama fans, they're familiar with watching Tua go to the injury tent and all that stuff, and all the familiar feelings of last year start to resurface, and then everybody immediately goes to the LSU game. Here's the good news. We find out after, even after we saw videos of Tua going to the hospital, and it's, oh my gosh, what in the world is going to happen? Oh, we find out God. after the Saban on the ESPN postgame interview saying he thinks he's going to be out for a week or two. And then... Tua to, uh, apparently told um, uh, Terrell Lewis, uh, Terrell Lewis, that he is going to be back for LSU. So Alabama fans need not worry. But Marler, your reaction to watching this was what? I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on here.
1: The PG version of it. Jesus Christ, Tua's is effing hurt. I, I mean, okay, like the PG thirteen version. it. Right? Okay, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Like, and and I I know that when I get into game mode. I, we've talked about this before. I'm still a fan. I try to be as objective as possible before and after the game. But I know sometimes like the emotions get the best of me in the game. That was tough. That was tough to watch in general. He threw a pick early on, which made absolutely zero sense. I don't know what the, the hell the worst ball I've thrown all year. Not even It was close. hands down. Hands down. And, and you know, it was one of those things, too, where it's like this whole day of upsets and just all the things you kind of thought were going to happen. Georgia imposing their will. Bama imposing their will. The South Carolina-Florida game ends up being a runaway. It was just kind of like this, ugh, like the pick the whole broadcast on ESPN sucked and then and then Tua goes down and you're like, All right, well, maybe he's okay. He got up. He got up and seemed fine and, and and seemed fine on the sidelines and all of a sudden he's walking off to the locker room. And then next thing you know on Twitter we've got somebody filming a video that you know is in real time of him getting in the ambulance and I'm like, Oh my god, Tua's two is in an ambulance leaving the stadium and, and then people like nowhere on my timeline did I see anyone saying like it when when it was close, quote unquote. That that Tua being out was affecting the game. Blew my mind.
0: Absolutely. Blew. I, saw, I saw people saying that. Okay. I and and
1: I'm that. sure I was that's why I prefaced like the very beginning of it. Like, I'm sure yeah, am I getting to Bama mode or game mode, I maybe I'm not as objective as I should be, but I was a little bit worried about that. I was like, what what just happened? Like what just happened? Um so, I was
2: not happy.
0: The good news though is that if he is if he is going to be back for LSU, all Bama has in between now and that LSU game is a game against Arkansas and a bye week. So right. In terms of can they get through with Mac Jones, yeah, yeah. You know what, we're going to—I realize that this was a weekend where anything can happen. Even with Mac Jones, they they should be fine against Arkansas, so nobody's worried about that. It's getting him back to 100% for the LSU game. Here's the thing that I I already hate about this, and I say this knowing that none of this has happened yet, and this is all hypothetical— if Alabama, if Bama loses this game against LSU, there are people who are going to take away from what LSU does and say, "Oh, well Tua was hurt. How great is this? Of course the streak ends in a year when Tua is not at 100%, he's working his way back. If he looks anything less than perfect, that's going to be the out for a lot of people. I'm not just I'm not saying that just like about Bama fans. I'm saying that people watching oh, it in
1: general. You're right, but welcome welcome to life as a as a elite team. I mean, for real, like exactly. I'm not trying to sound like a bitter Bama fan here, but yeah, man, welcome to the club. Like, I mean, anytime Bama has done anything, it's well, it's because they don't play it. The schedule's not good enough. Because people are tired of seeing it and like and we're getting late into the season where that new that newness of what LSU was doing is rubbing off or is is wearing away a little bit. rubbing off, I think, is the right answer. Um, or right right comment. But like, let's be fair for a second. We I have propped up a lot of their season on that Texas win. Said it was the most impressive win of the year. Oh. That doesn't that has not aged well. I mean LSU I still think I think right now LSU is the best team in the SEC. After what I saw last night from Bama even wow. with Tua in, I think LSU is the best team in the SEC. I think that's fair to say. I, you're right. They are going to take away from it. They are going to take away from it. But at the same time, will there be an objectivity of of people and like the the prognosticators and, and pundits and stuff like that that will say regions has ways to well, celebrate not ideal. greatness and the- that's, <laughs> <part> that's not- <laughs> computer turn on with a random video during this. Um, no, but like there there will be people that will it will it – will, will there be enough fairness from people to say, like, well, you know what? Like, Bama, they, they probably looked better if Tua
0: was in. We're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves because yeah. this, is, this is natural when you have sure. Bama's upcoming schedule, of course. The, the issue moving forward is everybody remembers the last month of, of last year and watching Tua go to the injury tent seemingly every game. And a sprained ankle isn't necessarily something that you can just put a Band-Aid on and it's all of a sudden good. This is a storyline for the rest of the year moving forward because now every single time Tua makes a throw that looks uncharacteristic, he rolls out of the pocket, comes up a little bit slow. It's, how's that ankle? That's how it's going to be the rest of the way. And that's that's the, the sucky thing in terms of just watching this as a neutral observer because... I want Bama to be at full strength. I want LSU to be at full strength. And we've been so excited about this potential matchup. And maybe can Bama have this revenge tour? Or or who's going to be the team to challenge them in the SEC championship? All these different things that go into it. And I don't want there to be any sort of out for whoever has to face Bama down the stretch. Don't cheapen
1: it, man. I want to see one versus two. I want to see the act. You know what? I want to see the game of the century we were promised. I want us to be at full strength. I want them to be
0: at full strength. And I want the refs to be on our side. And here's um, the other thing too. If Bama does get through LSU, which I know that's you know still hypothetical, yeah. and if LSU and and you know LSU, we expect to beat Auburn. That's not necessarily a guarantee. I don't want to say that that's and, and by any means a you know Auburn is going to be the underdog in that game against LSU, but what does that mean potentially for the Iron Bowl as well? I mean, we're yeah. talking about Bama potentially having the division locked up down the stretch. Do they have a loss to give? There are a lot of different factors that could go into this, and whether or not is at 100% against Auburn, and that defensive line, there, there are a million different things. Sh- shameless plug, I'm going to break down all of those on, on SDS for everybody. But And then I'm going to argue all of the points that he makes too, so make sure you tune in for that. Everybody kind of realized, I think, the magnitude of what the implications of something like this could be. Yeah, it's number it, one team in the country, and it's something that we've seen before, and we've seen how it impacts Bama. Yeah. That's the issue.
1: I, You know, it's one of those things where so you had this, this security blanket all last year, and, and I think Bama fans and, and people in general knew exactly. what Jalen Hurts was, and it was like, okay, well, at least they have Jalen. Like you look at the SEC championship game. And I'm not going to relive really it for Georgia fans, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, we still have a guy. Like we still have a guy who's who's done it before, and he's led him to a national championship, and blah blah blah. And then then you get in Mac Jones, and you're like, did he just skip an out route? Did he just did he just one hop? He crow hop? Not crow hop. One hop an
0: out route? That was not. I mean, Mac, Mac Jones didn't look good and didn't early. look very good against Tennessee. I no no. Let's let's not forget too that Tennessee is about to make that a one score game and jared garantano has that i I don't even know what we want to call that it it was an attempted hurdle hurdle and reach i guess but it was just horribly horribly executed as it turned out apparently you know that led to the scoop, scoop and score that that Trayvon Diggs yeah. had, and we everybody sees after Jeremy Pruitt, the camera, the ESPN camera catches him just kind of tugging at Garantano at the face mask. We find out that that Pruitt it was so upset because he checked into that because <laughs> he was awake. Was yeah, like well, he checked into that play, and it wasn't supposed to be the original call yeah. in the line of scrimmage. And Pruitt's like, "What in the world are you doing?" Pruitt kind of walked it back. Essentially, said, "Look, that's on the coaching staff. That's on us." Real quick, did you have a problem with Pruitt? kind of no. tugging at no kind of and, and listen I tell you what man I,
1: I, I'm I, a little bit older and I hate I hate to sound like preachy Uncle Chris at all but like I mean I, I hate like I, I remember Gene Stallings grabbing grabbing Prince Wembley's face mask and I remember like in like 1991 or, t- or 2 or something like that and I like this was something as long as you're not like berating the kid and you are you're not like making it you're you're not degrading him on the sideline. You know what I mean? Like he tugged on his face mask. I don't think it was anything that was that big of a deal. If it was that big of a deal, I tell you what, ESPN would have shown the right blanking quarterback and right player on the sidelines after it happened. That was so they, weird.
2: They were that entire
1: that was broadcast bad. was so awful, and it made me so mad to watch. I, I mean, like I hate that Garantano went rogue, but it's nice that we paid him and the refs, I guess, before this game. Um, I'm kidding. It, it was. <laughs> I, I didn't have. I didn't have a problem with that. I did have a problem with. Jer- I'm 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 gonna say this and it's gonna sound like I'm making a joke, but like watching Jeremy Pruitt coach that game, it looked like if I was allowed to coach Alabama, it like you call it passion, you you'd call it fire. No, I'm I'm saying Alabama. Like oh. I mean, because like like he coached it. He coached it the way I feel like fans watch it, where he's like sprinting up and down the sidelines and yep. openly complaining about the refs in the middle of the game. And it was like I tell you what, man. I texted Michael Wayne Bratton three names. Uh, I texted him in the middle of the game and I was like, dude. This game is so hard to watch, and it wasn't just because of the penalties. Like Everyone's going to talk about Bama getting all the calls, even though they're the most penalized team in the SEC. That is an actual fact. We can look that up. But at one point in the first half, it was so egregious and bad and kind of one-sided where it's like like Tennessee had nine penalties on 25 plays. That's less than one every three total plays, and that's not even including that one play where they had three penalties in the one play. Do you remember that? they were yeah, like holding, holding, hard. and a false star. It was like, "What?" Pretty it just it was so it was so frustrating that, and then all the reviews and the officiating. We'll talk again more about it later. It was a tough,
0: tough game to watch as a fan. So Bama does, though, ultimately win this game by a few scores. That that play that play sort of changed a lot of it. The the Garantano fumble, but I was now over we're that. well, yeah. I mean, it was. I don't necessarily think that Bama was in jeopardy of losing that yeah. game. It could have. It could have gotten closer. But now Bama is. I'm sure that Bama has already started all of the the scout team stuff with the LSU yeah. offense and getting ready for that. No disrespect to Arkansas, but beat an SEC team, you know, in your last 15 games. Then we can maybe talk about being. Oh, wow, you said no disrespect. I said with all due respect. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. So we saw LSU though. Over the weekend against Mississippi State, you know, to a little bit of a slow start and they're settling for field goals early on. And then they sort of poured it on and reminded us that, yeah, this LSU thing is not just it's not just a first half storyline or something like that. LSU actually ends up having its worst offensive day of the year with only 36 points. Wait, are we moving on to LSU yet? now? Yeah, we're moving on down. Okay, those. hold on. I, got one, I got one more thing to say about the
1: Bama thing. Real quick. Oh, thanks quick. for letting me transition to that. Well, my bad. I didn't know what we were doing yet. I thought we were still on the Bama thing. Um, just because, like, the overall game itself. I, I, there were so many things that happened that I don't think that, that like, people brought up. Because there was a couple people that reached out. like, I can't wait to hear Marler talk about how Bama's backup looked better than Kyle Trask. And I think they were joking, so it was fine. But... Bama looked bad on offense. They looked a little bit inept, which I think is kind of normal because of the fact that your starting quarterback goes down. And, like, in a very awkward transition going into the half with six so his minutes left. pick was, was horrendous. That pick was awful. That pick was awful. But what I will say is this. It's good to see Najee Harris getting, getting like, he, getting plays out of the backfield especially. I, I, like, I like that a lot. Um, the defense gave up 233 total yards. 237 total yards. They, they, looked, they looked bad at times. I felt like they got gashed at times. But the defense looked, like... They, they, statistically, they looked better than I thought. And, and so that was at least a positive. All right, let's move on to LSU. But, but it was the worst broadcast I've watched the entire year. Brian Greasy is absolutely awful at his job. I'll just I'll go ahead and say it. You can, you can quote me on it. That was terrible. It
0: was rough. There were, there were definitely some rough moments of that game. Joe Burrow, as I was trying to say before, the highlight of the day. Everybody in America saw <laughs> Joe Burrow's butt. And they come his home butt. The memes are out in full force. They are very, very good. The meme, whoever came up with the the one where they they copied and pasted Joe Burrow's butt onto the Heisman Trophy. Oh, I didn't see that. That's good. You. That's creep. that's what the internet's for.
1: That they, that's what we need. Did you see the one that we posted that was like sent into us from some kid named Tiger Hill Thirteen? No. Okay. So it's like the creepy guy from Family Guy is like. Hey, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that it, was It's it him that was that was pretty funny. I thought that was good. That was a uh, hey, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Don't ever yeah, do want That Again, God, was like good. in high school, but yeah. yeah. Okay. It
0: was it was funny though. That was uh that's that was made for the internet. That was great. It was. Um so everybody gets to see Joe Burrow's moon including his his grandparents who are in attendance. Very very inappropriate by CBS to to show that. I mean, how dare they? What a what well, they an have awful. something to fill the
1: time on that game.
0: Yeah, SEC's not going to like that one. Um Joe Burrow becomes the LSU single-season leader in touchdowns responsible for. That's so stupid. Uh, by the way, we're, we just got through week eight, um, so there's that.
1: I'm honestly surprised that it took this long.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's seven games, which is a little bit more. Than, that's basically going to be half a season for, for yeah. Joe Burrow. He's killing it, man. He looks great. Ridiculous. Um, I don't really want to get into a ton of stuff in terms of like the breakdown of this game. I thought there were some bad calls in this game, some bad missed calls. Yeah, there was. This was was tough to watch. Caleb on Chasen had this play where he, like, dived in on the pile a couple seconds after it ended and officials just blatantly missed. There was a couple pass interference calls where the official right in front doesn't make the call, and then the person on the opposite side of the field has to make the call. That was kind of a theme throughout Saturday. It was like, it, it if was, the person right in front is is not seeing it, why right. do you think the person 40 yards away, and we'll get to Will Muschamp later, we why will. do you think that person is is all of a sudden in a better position to make a call, and then they show it on replay, and it's like, no, that wasn't pass interference. Dude, what uh, are they looking at?
1: I honestly, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to go back to the game again, but what you're saying, the best example I could think of that, because that I kept saying that, I was like, if you're paid to do this as a job, and you're, it's right in front of you, the the uh intentional grounding that wasn't called where it, it you have to judge if it's thrown at the line of scrimmage. Right. I was right. Like, if you're line, if you're straddling the line of scrimmage and you look down at your feet and the ball ends up right of your belly button, like that is not past the line of scrimmage. <laughs> That's just. No, and and, and, it's and not. you're right. I, I remember the Calavon Chase on play in the L S U. It was just it's 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 it was so bad all day in so many games.
0: LSU though is is just an, an absolute machine. I mean yeah. it's it's fun to watch this offense get going. I, you answered this question before. I thought I was going to have to ask it to you. Mm. You have more confidence right now in LSU than you do Bama. Well, that's not what I said. I
1: said they're the best team in, in the SEC. It, well, and here's the thing you watch, like, like okay, we, I just brought up to, in defense of Bama the stats against Tennessee for defense, right? Like, they only mm-hmm. gave up so many yards, and, and it was a, the final score was like 35 to 13. Did that game look closer than the LSU Mississippi State game? I'd say LSU was
0: more was more lopsided.
1: Yes, and and they, they you know Mississippi State scored late, but I, I was texting Will just because I was pissed about the first half spread, and I was like, just this team is supposed to beat Bama? Like they had a little bit of struggle like early offensively, but they, that defense that was never. And Mississippi State's not a great offensive team, but that, they were never in danger of losing that game. Once it got to nine nothing, and I brought this up before like back in the past, it's like when you have a good defense, and this defense is really starting to like turn the corner and, and be. You know, like live up to like their capabilities. Once you get up by nine points, it's, two, it's a two-score game. It, it, you feel like it's
0: over. Gosh, Grant Elpit when he's right. Oh my goodness, there are oh, a few players in the, the country field, who man. can do what he can do. It was it was fun to watch that LSU defense. I think right now everybody feels like we're heading towards, and, and we're going to get to a little bit of um, when we guess a line. We're going to talk about Auburn and LSU, the big game that we're going to be at this upcoming yeah. weekend. Still need to figure out our tickets for that, but that's all right. Um, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that that could that could ultimately um, hurt LSU actually in a, in a matchup like that against a really good Auburn team that looked really good over yeah. the weekend uh, albeit against Arkansas hey, but hold up real
1: quick if you're going to the game if you're listening to this and going to the game and you know somebody that has some extra tickets or if you guys want to sit with <laughs> with Uncle Chris and Connor at the game and have us buy you refreshments, oh you can buy beer there too.
0: Yes, you can. If you
1: guys let us know. We might, we'll, we'll put together a little package for you guys. And just, Ooh. yeah, there you go.
0: That's our, oh, well, I guess technically it's not because we've been to, you know, we went to the SEC Championship where you can, where they had, they, wait, did they not, they didn't have alcohol at the SEC Championship. I had alcohol. They did not. You had alcohol. They did not. <laughs> that is a big, big difference. Okay. LSU and Dama are in a class by themselves in the SEC. That much we know. We thought Georgia was in that class as of a couple weeks ago. That's not the case. And, okay, I'm going to preface all of this by saying, Georgia fans, we understand the weather, what it was. It was... Yeah, we've seen people play in the rain. It was windy. I get that throwing conditions are not ideal in the rain. Kyle Trask threw four touchdowns in the rain, bro. That's a good point. He struggled early, and once he's kind of settled in, he looked much better. Here's the issue, though. All the Georgia fans who are saying... Who are booing... Who are booing James Coley... (laughs) You can't then come after the after the game and say, Oh, we won twenty one nothing, like blowout way not good enough for you guys. Like why do you guys judge us this way? That's that's the issue, is that there's too much overlap there. And it's like, okay, so you're just you're satisfied then with being Stuck with zero points in the middle of the third quarter, and you had no problem with what was going on. You said, Oh, yeah, it's just the rain. It's not an issue with our offense. It's just all weather related after coming off a 17 perform- point performance in double overtime against South Carolina at home. You, you, yeah, it's just, it's, it's all the weather, and we're making too big of a deal. This. Give me a break.
1: No, I agree. It's, it's, and you know, and again, I'm trying to be as like as open minded as possible about this because I know this, like a lot of the Georgia fans that I saw, especially when I like, tweeted from SDS. They're like, oh, we we exactly what you said. We win in the rain by twenty one. It's not good enough for you. It's like, dude, like your arch rival, one of them, played in the rain earlier in the day, and it was a close game, but they pulled away against a much better team. You know, what what you can't do, especially with teams like this. Like I was big on Georgia covering the spread all week because I was like, they are going to come back out and they they are going to like absolutely impose their will and get back to basics. And this, they got the wake up call, right? They got a loss that that honestly doesn't affect them that much because everything's still in front of them. And I think the weather kind of you know hurt hurt them a little bit offensively, but not to this extent.
0: And not to the point where Jake Fromm is throwing for 35 passing yards in this game. Right. Not, there's just, there's, okay, the receivers weren't getting separation. They showed breakdowns, and they kept saying, they're like, look, there's no there's nowhere for him to throw. These receivers are covered. Credit Kentucky for actually having a, a good defensive game plan. The second team in a row that we've seen, well, really third team in a row that we've co- seen come out and actually defend Georgia really, really well. Right. And I think that That's watching problem. this game, yeah, exactly. Georgia is too easy to defend right now. That's the issue. And you could, yes, DeAndre Switz was tremendous, and he finished yeah. that game off really well. Did exactly what Georgia was hoping to be able to do. wear down the Kentucky defense. He was dominant down the stretch. Not taking anything away from that. No. But and, if you're a Georgia but, fan, and you looked at that game without any concern about what that defense, what that offense is going to be able to do when it sees better, better defenses against the likes of Florida and Auburn, and has to play both of those teams away from Sanford uh-huh. Stadium. You, and you're telling me you're not worried? You're nuts. Well, and I'll say this: when you when you transitioned into um,
1: this game, like for like the like on the podcast, and and I didn't um, retroactively make you go back into another topic like I do half the time. Those biggest transitions, yeah, so professional. Um, you said though in the transition, you said, "Bama and LSU are clearly like the top two or elite teams in the SEC." I think you're wrong. I think Florida should be in that group right now with the way they're playing football. And we'll talk more about that after the South Carolina game. But when you talk about this Georgia team, and and, and to be fair, most of the Georgia fans, I joke around in the, the SCS podcast group on Facebook, which you guys are awesome. Um, I was like, is Uncle Chris going to have to yell again about Georgia and blah, blah, blah? Um, you know, like most of them were like... <laughs> like, pretty aware and self-aware of, like, the, the team's issues, and especially on offense. The good news for Georgia is this defense has been incredible. The it's defense is unbelievable. The yep, no I doubt. I mean, and, and you look at, like, they had their issues last week in South Carolina, and South, South Carolina did, like, you know, they out physical them, you could say, especially, like, in the trenches, which is surprising yep. to see. But what they had to overcome in that game with three picks from Jake Fromm and just, you know, all that kind of stuff, they looked great here. Now, to be, you know, honest, they did it against a – can you say one-dimensional – can you it's, even
2: is Kentucky? It's like, one dimensional. Yeah, one we'll call tr- it I'm that. I'm not
1: saying that to be offensive because I love Lynn Bowden, and you all know that. The defense is not the issue here. The offensive play calling has been so bad throughout the season that it's it's so frustrating to watch. Because like now you're getting into the, ga- the part of the season where other coaches have game tape. They know how. Like okay, here this exactly. is what they These are the tendencies. This is how we're supposed to defend this. This is like what we're hearing from other people. and This is what our scouts have seen. Like all this other stuff or analysts. This that is not good if a Kentucky team is able to hold you to zero points through midway through the third quarter. And listen, I was we had another issue with somebody delivering like furniture or whatever to the house. We had to leave at halftime to go over there, so we're listening to the game in the car. And I'll tell you right now, I wasn't in Sanford Stadium, but the the noise I heard from when they scored the touchdown was sarcastic, so yeah. no. So I didn't think it was sarcastic. It was such a huge, overwhelming amount of like noise but it was so it was relief and that's not where they should be and maybe no, it's probably not. sarcastic like as well but like that's not where this program is supposed to be and you drop them down to 10 you think like the top 10 team I don't know if they're even there right now Like this team is not this team that I've seen the past two weeks they're not going to beat Florida
0: they need to improve significantly to beat to beat Florida and to beat Auburn they're, they're going to need to improve and they're going to need to develop offensively because Georgia fans are right to boo James Coley. And, and that's yes. what the, ultimately they were booing in this game and repeatedly where they'll, they'll have three and outs where they just run the ball three times or run, run, pass. And it's like, okay, it shouldn't be this predictable. When even right. the, bro- the broadcast crew is, is, is predicting this and saying how, how bad this is, I get that your conditions are somewhat limited, blah, blah, blah you still have Jake Fromm back there. You still have Jake Fromm. You should still have some confidence in him being able to throw the ball and being able to say, all right, even if we get one-on-one coverage on the outside, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna throw it up to George Pickens. I'm gonna see if he can go make a play. There should still be ways to be able to scheme receivers open. We talk about it with Dan Mullen all the time, how good he is with scheming receivers open. Why is it so difficult for Georgia to be able to do this when they have the athletes? That's and not an issue. And I know understand Rob Running's part of this, but James Coley has to be able to do a better job at getting guys open because his offense, yeah. defenses are sniffing it out right now. And it, it's ugly. It's ugly. There's no way around it. And I think Georgia is is really defensively focused, and that's that's all well and good. That that's great. But there's going to be a situation this year where maybe Georgia's down 17-7. to 7. And you know what? That's a bad, bad omen because they, their, their loss to give is gone. And if they don't adapt and, and sort of figure well, the out ways of the schedule's to generate offense, up it's going to get bad, and and they're not going to be this team that that ends up you know eleven and one going to the SEC championship. They're going to be a team that's maybe going to be not even be considered for a New Year's Six bowl. That that's how worried I'd be right now. I'm No, if I agree with that.
1: And and you know those receivers are young, so I get that like the the inefficiencies. And you know you know it's crazy. And I hate to sound ignorant or, or like I don't know what I'm talking about, maybe, because I'm 33 years old, and it, it's it's finally Sick hitting back. me. Yeah, thanks, man. It's finally hitting me. 33 and a half, actually. Um, it's finally hitting me that like we especially nowadays with like how the media is like we're so quick to judge like the individual like like you know Jake Fromm we put those numbers last week like over 30 passes and listen maybe maybe we've given him too much praise because he's not looked great he's not looked great and and I don't know if this is a kid that is like from what I've seen the past couple weeks if he's going to go up there and win you a football game and but mainly part of that like I think he has skills But he's not being he's not being put in positions to go out and make these plays. And he's not getting any help. And so it's we talked about with Jalen Hurts in 2017. Like everyone assumed he was he's a run for he's just a glorified running back and he doesn't know he's doing because he looks so bad in in Brian Dable's offense. Look at Joe Burrow last year. Look at I mean, look at the, the difference in what when he got some help from coaching. James Coley has not done anything remotely close.
0: To like being as effective as this
1: offense was under, under Cheney. And it's 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 frustrating to watch.
0: This year is a great reminder if you look at the contenders in college football about why that relationship with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback needs to be on par. Because I know people right now are looking at what Justin Fields is doing up at Ohio State oh, and they're man. thinking, man, if we, if we could have had him at Georgia right now, who's to say Justin Fields would be succeeding in this offense? I understand he's a better natural athlete, but who's to say he would actually be succeeding with James Coley when you've got a fifth ball and there's such tight windows your receivers don't get any separation? Watching Ryan play in the rain. Offense, yeah, gotta play in the rain. Watching Ryan Day's offense compared to what James Coley's offense has been is just night and day. I, and I
1: you tell need to you what, we're on the same page. You're right, you're right. And like I think what you just said, and the two best points I've seen made were made by our producer Will, and then by Barrett Salee. And he said, you know, Georgia's better with Fromm, Fromm's better with Georgia. Fields is better at Ohio State, Ohio State's better with Fields. Like not everything has to be an argument. Like or yeah, a controversy. Exactly. And I thought that was a great point. And then Will brought the point that you just made where he said, you know, like if if Georgia had Justin Fields, I I don't think that they would have managed it correctly. I don't know if I he don't. would have put up in these numbers at all. And you know it it is it is tough to watch. And and I, I will say that like, you, him being like, the offensive coordinator, he's got so many weapons. He's got so many weapons to choose from. You sh- that playbook should be so chock full of of great plays where you have the talent to win. You have the talent to win individual matchups and beat a defense. And it's like it's like going to a food court at like some like really nice mall, and there is. Everything you could ever ama- like, everything you would ever want from food, and then being like, you know, I'm gonna go to Blimpy, I'm gonna go to Blimpy and get a six inch sub of the tuna. Like, what? <laughs> like, no, dude, throw it, go to Chick fil A and throw it open on Sundays.
0: <laughs> Georgia needs Lawrence Cager to be mm-hmm. back. I, I've realized, watch, he, he is imp- so important to that team. He's the guy that Jake Fromm trusts more than anybody. They need him back. Against Florida, because if these if these receivers are going to have to get separation against C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson, and if John Grenard and Jabari Zuniga, who are out uh, against South Carolina, if those guys are back and healthy against Georgia, man, that's that is not ideal for what that that offense they, is they like. They honestly
1: might miss. Besides Cheney, you don't think they miss more than anybody is
0: Isaac Nada. Interesting, interesting. So last year, that and that's the one thing I'll say for 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 Georgia fans. Isaac Nada was the guy who. When Jake Fromm was struggling in the first quarter against Florida and he was coming off of that game against LSU, that was the tipping point as to whether or not – if if Jake Fromm had struggled the rest of that game against Florida, Justin Fields, in my opinion, is still at Georgia right now. What he did in in that second quarter against Isaac Nata, where all of a sudden the Georgia offense woke up and it took off after yeah. that. It was a turning point in that moment. Maybe this year can be another, another turning point for Georgia's season again against Florida. Now yeah. that's – uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have more discussion on that down the road, but Florida without Jabari Zuniga, without John Grenard, goes into South Carolina and wins a game that they had to grind through early on and they all of a sudden woke up late in the second half, the officiating yes was horrible but Florida in this game put up 21 points in the fourth quarter, that's the most points that they've scored in the fourth quarter against an SEC team since 2008 a guy by the name of Timothy Tebow was quarterback at the time, um, heard of him Florida deserved to win that game. I'm going, say this, yeah. I'm going to say this because I know Florida fans are going to say, oh, you know, you're just going to say that that South Carolina got a raw deal, blah, blah, blah. South Carolina did get a raw deal, and Florida deserved they to win did. that game. Those two things can be true. South Carolina, I feel brutal for, for Will Muschamp watching that game when he sees three egregious missed calls. And, you know, holding stuff here and there, that can usually get... We, we usually don't want to spend too much time on that, but when it's a, a play where your guy is being held for 40 yards on a on a long touchdown run, it, it looks bad. And, oh, by the way, the play that shouldn't have even started because there was a false start that was let go that wasn't called on that play. That's bad. Even worse was the fact that when Florida was on the, what, five-yard line, There was just a. It wasn't even a pick play for Kyle Pitts to get open on that touchdown. He was just blocking. The receiver was just flat out blocking, and it just it doesn't get called. The officials right there, and it was, and it was, and he missed it. And then Will Muschamp has, you know, after that he's still hot and bothered by by everything that that had gone on basically with those three non calls, and he had some sort of comment that warranted a flag. But the flag came from forty yards away apparently where the official dropped it and didn't even have the decency to come over to him. And that's when we saw the clip of Muschamp going berserk on the sideline, just losing his mind. And I tweeted it out. I'm like, I, I can't blame him. This no. this guy should be upset with what's what, what has been called against him. Should South Carolina fans have been throwing stuff from the from the stands? No, that doesn't no. sound anything. But it was just I a have, rough though. day. It was just an awful day for officiating in the SEC. Uh,
1: so here's the thing, and I, and I know this is going to surprise no one, but I made the mistake of, of saying something on Twitter about how, here's the miscalls you made. And, and so and one of my buddies, George Simpson, who is the guy I coached that, that middle school team, he played football his life. He, he gets football. And there's a lot of other people that get football better than I do that said that wasn't holding, where he's running down the field. Uh, Clint Lamb, one of my favorite writers, he's a, he's a Bama writer, whatever. He, he was like, that's great blocking. Great blocking. From what I was seeing, it looked like holding. Now, I'm not dumb enough to think that if somebody's running full speed, the way his arm was, it wasn't like he was behind him holding him like you would like a dog on a leash. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he exactly. Was, he was next to him. I don't think you have that much leverage in your arm that you're holding him away. And credit Tyree Cleveland because there's no way that the ref who was running even with him was able to see it. Exactly. There's, there's no way. The like yeah. That's fine. And But see, what what bothered me about it was, yeah, take away the holding call that happened literally for for thirty five yards downfield. I thought it was holding because he was literally holding his jersey. jersey and when you yeah. say it's the same thing, as, like twelve men on the field. Like, well, they were trying to get off field. There's twelve men on the field. Yeah, it's twelve. It's on, like, right. So, but then you 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 roll it back, and, and Florida fans came back so weakly with with like, well, yeah, but he also grabbed his face mask and was like, yeah, it's like the five or ten yard line when the play's right. over. He did it out of out of like you know out of frustration. But you roll that back and you see the false start at the beginning. Now, I made the tweet about how, listen, you missed the false start on a touchdown. You missed the holding on a touchdown. You missed the pick play on a touchdown, which was, that was the most egregious That was the that most, was egregious, the most part. egregious. Because if there's anything that's come up in in this, in this just college football in general, even, like, maybe just slightly less than targeting, it's this play. Ever since the, the pick play in that 2016 National Championship game, yep. people have utilized that play to their advantage on offense, which is good for them. Like, that's that's a smart thing to do if you're an offensive play caller. However, people are constantly on the look look for or lookout for it now. And that ref, that's his. He's on. He's it's right, right in front of him. Yeah. And he so how do like you not see play. it? Right. You blocked, he blocks like a run play. And you, how do you not see it? Like I know Mac was losing his mind. I tweeted about that. And, and then you have like the defensive holding on on South Carolina. That's called. That was defensive holding. That was defensive holding. I, I'm not going to argue that. There were missed calls on both sides. Exactly. Where, yeah. What bothered me about this was, it was so. Bad and egregious, and it's it. There's so much that goes into these games, and I'm I'm gonna get dramatic for a second. I bet on South Carolina. I pick them to win in my picks. So there's probably a little bit of bias. where I'm like, yeah, I want to see South Carolina at least not lose by more than five and a half points. Okay, (laughs) like I can admit that. But what bothers me about this is there's so much that goes into it. Where Muschamp fighting for his job. This kind, this has so much. This would have done so much. I feel like for that that him as a coach, this program, and they are fighting their asses off for that man, and it's so, that part is frustrating to watch, when when there's so much online and you're doing it in these moments that are, of, of, like, impacting the game, this was a close, close game, that was kind of back and forth, and you go to the fourth quarter, it wasn't the blowout that we ended up seeing in the box score, it, that's what frustrates me, and it seemed like all these plays, like, you know, I know a Florida fans came out of the woodwork, sending me pictures of, like, a pass interference call, like, on a third and five, late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter, like, that didn't have I felt like, felt like the same kind of impact as these plays, and that's what bothered me. But yeah. credit to Florida because what cre- what what good teams do is they rise above it, they weather the storm, no pun intended, and they go out and win a ball game, and that's what they did. That's exactly what they did, and they yeah, did it without that, their two best defensive players.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I I, I know people are saying, oh, the refs are refs just want the top ten team to win. Like I don't think that, I think it's just pure ineptitude. Like I don't think it's, it's yeah anything like that. Unless it's I, Bama. I, <laughs> I I'm give kidding. I give Kyle Trask a lot of credit because. Early in that game, he did not look good. The game plan did not look like it was. It was really I, I thought Dan Mullen's first quarter game plan was was way off, and he he was just so stubborn on wanting to throw the ball even though the conditions were not good yeah. for it. And all of a sudden they realized, ah, we should probably run the ball a little bit more, and that's that's going to be more successful. And then of course they break off the big one with Damian Pierce. I understand yeah, the holding the false start, all of that. But Florida in this game responds, and yeah. once again. In a, in a situation where we, we think Florida is, is just going to kind of go back to being a shell of itself, maybe a little bit 2015, 2016-like, where they're playing to their competition on the road, and then all of a sudden they put their foot on the gas, they scheme some receivers open, Kyle mm-hmm. Trask makes some nice plays, and then Florida ends up being able to win this game and cover the spread as well on the road. And it sets up for now, originally, so I, I wrote this at the time, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, so... I guess we technically do have a three team round robin essentially to decide the East, because Mizzou, mm-hmm. despite the fact that it lost to oh, Vandy, is still included in that because you you look at what what could play out because with Mizzou having games against Florida and Georgia still, they could theoretically have one loss and win the tiebreaker with all that. So what a weird way though that this that this has come about. Where you know Florida is a different team than we thought, but at the same time they're sitting there pretty much exactly kind of where where they were in the preseason. And Georgia, on the other hand, is we have more questions about than ever. We thought Georgia was going to be able to essentially decide the division with this game against Florida, and now with how weird the the division has been, I really do true. I truly feel like this is an up for grabs three team round robin between those three teams.
1: Um. I mean, you know, but when they were showing this game yesterday, and it was like, they've showed like the, the ESPN FPI, whatever, if you want to put stock in that, Made I know up you that. It. Yeah. yeah, so I think, I think the numbers were, and I could be wrong about Florida's, it was, Georgia, like, chance to win the SEC East, it was Georgia 39%, Florida 31, I want to say, or maybe it was 34. I thought it was like
0: 50 40
1: 10 no, or something. No, 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 that was the, that was the week before. Okay. That was the week before going into this. So this weekend gotcha. it was it was Georgia. I know Georgia was thirty nine. I know Mizzou was thirty or thirty one, and and Florida was in between it, like thirty three or thirty four, something like that. Maybe it was a little bit different. So you're the like, yes, for all intents and purposes, this is a three team round robin. And you you made the comment about how Florida's kind of right where they were in the beginning of the season. I disagree with that. I think this is Florida's to lose. Um, I I know that no, I Georgia- mean ranking wise, just ranking. Oh yeah, wise. yes, no, yeah, I, I the know, team is better than I thought they were going to be coming right. into the, the year. Right. I admitted that. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I was going to try to say. I mean, it's it's it, like they are. Yeah, they're exactly where they were. Right, they were ninth to start the season. And and I I know for me, I kept saying I said all offseason that the best bet you could possibly make is Georgia to cover this spread against Florida three and a half points. It's free money. I thought Florida's going to take a huge, a huge step back. I. I didn't think they were going to be able to get up for this game in South Carolina, and for, to be able to do that with those weather conditions, and then not complain about the weather conditions, yeah. and and have Kyle Trask, a backup quarterback, just every time they face adversity, they overcome it, and it's been really really impressive to watch. And again, they just sit there with their back pocket; they've got their two best players out, like on on defense. I, I if you can't get if Georgia can't get open against against Kentucky or against South Carolina, how are they going to do it against C.J. Henderson, and Marco Wilson? So saying, if, yeah. if you if Jake Fromm is under duress, or he, he's not having like a lot of high percentage throws when he's not being pressured. If Grenard and and uh, Zuniga Towards are healthy, Zuniga. how's yeah. that gonna happen? Because I tell you what, where this game was won, in my opinion, was when it was twenty four twenty. It was still close, and Carolina had some success on offense. Grantham, blitzing a freshman quarterback, and I know Fromm's yep. not a freshman, but Grantham he, he's done a great job. I I, Mizzou. I, I don't. I give up on Mizzou.
0: I love watching I, C.J. Henderson blitz. By the way, before we move yeah. on to Mizzou, C.J. Henderson blitzing is, is fun. He had a couple moments in that game where you just reminded him in this system, man, th- this guy is having a, a special season since he's been able to return yeah. from injury, and he can do so many things. And he's in, in a way, I realize he plays a different position. He's a cornerback. He's not a safety, but he's kind of like Grant Delpit for, for for that Florida defense. So much fun to watch too.
1: And and i I'll, I'll just throw this out there before you transition here. So I don't make you go back. <laughs> if two is injured, if two is injured, and I know that's a hypothetical thing. Bama fans don't kill me here, but we saw what what he looks like under pressure. Okay, and they brought up a lot of blitzes last night. I know we were getting at here. If Florida, if two is injured and he's not a hundred percent, do we do we think that Bama beating Florida is a given because they have a great secondary, they have a great defense? Mullen has been able to scheme these these players open all season with no matter who's at quarterback. So I, I don't know if. I, I still would take Bama over Florida right now, but like, if, I tell you what, if it's if it's Mac Wilson going up against Florida, I would take Florida in that matchup.
0: We should map out. I, I realize that there's still essentially half a season left. We should just break down six potential SEC championship matchups as if they're happening tomorrow. That'd be fun.
1: I'm gonna ask for a about that in the <laughs> you know, 12 minute interview. And tell them to break down all break of them. Break
0: down each <laughs> one of these games for us. All right, let's keep it in the division. Vandy. Uh, Stuns Mizzou. There's no other way to say it. I predicted, like, okay, so a little peel behind the onion here. When we do our picks, uh, our picks that, that run, you can see them on social media, on Instagram. Yeah. I think we tweet them out as well. But I had Mizzou winning this game 45 to 14. 45 to 14 was the exact same score I had Georgia beating South Carolina by. So if I predict your team to win 45 to 14, just don't even watch over the weekend. It's going to be ugly for you. I Mizzou thought this comes was, out. like
1: one of the best, easiest bets to make in, in the SEC. And, nope. Worst and, defense in the, in the
0: league, worst offense in the league. And go figure. In a two-week stretch, we see South Carolina beat Georgia. We see Illinois beat Wisconsin. That was the big upset. One of the biggest upsets we've seen in recent memory in college football. And Vandy stunning Mizzou. Mizzou, once again gets away from home, and pukes on its shoes. It was yeah. the ultimate, this is why we can't have nice things performance. You get into the top 25, everybody's saying, all right, great for Mizzou, awesome, Barry Odom's doing some great things. We're talking about whether or not he's been a top five coach in the SEC so far. And then you do that. No excuse whatsoever. Awful. Absolutely
1: awful. I. It's it's inexplicable. It's, in, it's inexplicable, and, like, you know, if, if the offense is sputtering, first off, you know, I—, I I even you know, my, my best friend Jeff was sitting here telling me he was like he's like oh yeah you know Missouri finally having an away game like kind of gave me a hard time about like bringing that up on the podcast last week because it's week eight how have you not been away from home since week one and honestly I don't know if Vanderbilt's played an away game either I feel like both these teams have only played at home like they should yeah. just play like on Madden or something like that like it just you know both of them stayed home but, like, any way you break this down, it's like, all right, well, maybe if the offense sputters or something, Alberto gets injured again, like... Which he, which he did, did in this game. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe Kelly Bryant struggles or... I don't know. But it's like, you're not going in, like, in a in a tough environment at all. It was rainy, I think. Was it rainy? I don't... Know. I don't know. It did either look way. like a deal. But, like, either way, you're looking at that, like, well, that defense, though, has been... Even without Cale Garrett, and I know that's a leader, that defense has been one of the best in the country. Literally, top two in the country, statistically, since that week one loss... There's no way that Vandy, Vandy, who is the worst team in the SEC on offense and the worst team on defense, they were 119th in total defense and 124th in scoring defense.
0: How do you not win this game? Oh, and by the way, Vandy's starting a third-string quarterback, Mo Hassan. I'm probably saying his last name right. I apologize for that. Third-string Vandy quarterback after what we've seen from Vandy, and Mizzou still can't find a way to win They've scored
1: 31 points. If this was a shootout, it would have made more sense to me. But the fact that it was like... This is a team that has, has scored 31 or more points in 11 straight games. Second longest streak in the in the country, behind behind Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. And then you score 14 against Vandy, who's a team that, again, they just gave up how many to UNLV?
0: Uh, they just gave up 34 to UNLV.
1: Yeah. Right. And they, they gave up, I don't remember how many to Northern Illinois, we're not going to bring that up because my blood pressure is, is delicate. 17. So, okay. I mean, so, but, like, it just it can't happen. It's inexcusable. 18. And it makes no sense. It's 18. God damn yeah, Sorry. But it, it just makes no sense to me that this could be – where this program is at under, under Barry Odom because it's and it's it's I know it's frustrating if you're a Mizzou fan because every time you think, it's like, you know what, we're gonna finally start getting some respect, we're gonna finally... like this
0: happens, and then something like this happens. Kelly Bryant admitted after the game that they, you know what, they just weren't prepared, they didn't come ready to go. Obviously, there's some taking Vandy lightly, maybe looking a little bit ahead on the schedule. That's not an excuse, but it was evident because. They didn't get after it on line of scrimmage. Larry Roundtree couldn't get anything going. Give Vandy credit because Keyshawn Vaughn looked so so good and he came one step closer to winning mean that bet with Adam Spencer. I uh, that, that, that that's Just, not even that's so cold. It's such an it's such an easy I actually the coldest, the rudest thing I did was after Keyshawn Vaughn ripped off that like sixty five yard touchdown catch. I, I tweeted Adam, um, I tweeted at Adam, I said, You you really hated that, didn't you? Right there. Um he's well, up by over up. He, He's up by over three hundred yards in terms of yards from scrimmage. I'm not I mean, regardless
1: like though, like yeah, sure. Missouri has more weapons on offense, so like, I, I, that's I, aside from your bet with Adam, because I would have killed you if you said anything like that to me during this game. Um, it, like he, they, they held him in check, but where, what what was sad to see with this Mizzou defense is when you needed him most, and you, you can't lean on him the whole time. When you when you have turnovers and you have you know twelve penalties, the most they've had all season or in a game all season, and you're constantly having to ask this this defense to step up, it's unfair. But at the same time, like where this was most evident. Was when Keyshawn Vaughn was ripping off those runs Big. late in the game. I mean, he only Big had, say, 29 carries for 96 yards. Right, longest run of the day was 12 yards.
0: So I mean, he, in the passing game, he had like 80 something. Four for yards. 80. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: that's, yeah. But I'm just saying, like late in the game, when you know they're trying to run out, run out the clock, or and trying to get another first down, and and he's ripping off seven yards a carry on that final drive. That's that's when it was like, oh my gosh, this team is beat.
0: Yeah, so the big takeaway from this game, the the thing, the moment that sort of went viral was Derek Mason's post game interview on SEC Network. If you haven't seen it, go search for it on Twitter. It was it was really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the quotes. It was he said it in a WWE like tone. Say it say the way he said it. I can't do that. I don't want to. I don't want to butcher that. That's that's a slippery slope. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna read the quote of what he said and just just you know add add whatever inflection that that you want for for Derek Mason's voice. He said, "I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this. A lot of people want this job, so they, no, they think no, they don't. So they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day we grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodores angry." And then he kind of walked off, and it was it was cool, and there were so many people. That we're sharing it, and they're saying, "Man, Derek Mason, awesome, awesome." You know what, man? Maybe we won't doubt you if you actually show up against UNLV. Maybe Goodness. if you have more. Maybe if you have more than fifteen hundred people at your stadium, and you're falling to one in that's six not a year. His fault? It's not the head coach's well, fault. That's
1: actually fair. Yeah, it's fair.
0: Okay, so here's my issue. I, I, I love that he's passionate after a win like this. He's fired up. His team just beat a ranked team for the first time since 2017, right before the, the, the Bama game when they beat Kansas State, and you remember the little guarantee. that was.
2: Alabama, game. you're next.
0: Yeah, there it is. Um, so I get it. He's fired up. He feels good. But this belief of, you know, don't question who we are, if I'm the right man for this job, listen, man. I'm going to question you every single time if you lose by 24 points to one win UNLV. And you don't get hindsight to be able to say, oh, well, I shouldn't have said this. I should have known that you were just going to beat Mizzou. There is nothing that Vandy has done to this point in the season to suggest that they would have come out the way that they did on Saturday. Absolutely nothing. You hear stories about whether or not Alberto is fully engaged with his team, and there's internal beef about whether or not this team is going to be able to, to last throughout the year. We're going to question you every single time when the optics are that bad. Okay, so don't give Pinky? me this. Yeah, Pinkney. What did I say? Yeah. I said Albert, o, Albert My bad. Out. I'm getting great SEC tight ends mixed up. I'm fired up. I didn't like the fact that he said, you know, don't question us. You know, every day we grind. You know, basically like you, saying all of these things of like you guys were wrong about us. No, we had you figured out through that point of the season. There was nothing yeah. that said that you were going to get to that point. And I get you feel good about yourself, but I'm going to that's, – that's the SEC. This, this is college football. If you're a one-win team and you get embarrassed – by UNLV at home and nobody even cares to show up to see it. Yeah, I'm gonna say that you you might not be the right fit for your job. Sorry, Derek Mason.
1: I, I mean, and I I respect um, like nothing that you said. Uh, no I'm kidding. <laughs> I respect I respect I respect everything you said. I will say I had a different approach with it, and it wasn't like it was like yeah, Derek Mason, like let him know like th- this is a guy who's he's a rah rah guy, he's very engaging. I, the past two years we've been at media days, he's been my favorite speaker. Especially. And I'd love to play for Derek ago. Mason. I'd love to yeah. play
0: for him. That's not the issue. It's the it's it doesn't the doesn't don't sound question. Like it, sounds thing. like
1: there'd be a lot of dissension. It it sounds would, like you're Jared Pinkney if you. Were it's playing the to. don't
0: question us. He's basically like right. calling out the media for 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 so, doubting his team. But that is that was he though?
1: Way. Is he is he doing that? Like he's like what he's what he's saying, like. After what this is what I've tried to learn from yesterday, and I, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, but like I would, I don't know if that's what the intent was behind it. Like in the same way that tweet I sent out wasn't been like Florida sucks, they were given this win. Like I don't know if that was what his intent was from what he was saying. Now there are definitely holes to be poked in in his argument. Um, you know, th- this is just how messed up my brain is. The only thing I kept thinking of when he said it was like he's like. Don't question me if I'm the right man for the job. I'm the right man for this job. It was like, if, if, who's, remember that show Honey Boo Boo with that huge mom, Mama June, the gross lady, the, the terrible dance mom? And I know
0: what little, you're talking about, but I don't want to acknowledge that I, yeah. I know what that is. She was from, they were in Milledgeville,
1: so I, that's, anyway. But it would be like, if, if that, if her husband got into a bar fight with someone who's like, I see you staring at my wife. I know you want my wife. Like, I'm the right man for my wife. Like, no, man, no. No one wants this job. Nobody wants the Vanderbilt job. And and credit to you for being so passionate about having that job. I get not, yeah. not for me. You know what? Honestly, Vanderbilt, it's it's a it's a, a drunk five. I'll just throw that out there. Like I, I don't I'm not I'm not a fan of of like it might seem like a good idea. I, I don't think that like people are knocking on the door for this job. And again, credit the passion for him wanting to have a job. But when you say these kind of things and you're saying like you know, like you know, like, don't question me, I'm the right man, let him, let him keep the job, here's where I think it was brilliant, low-key brilliant on his, on his part, Vanderbilt, this is a huge soundbite bite and, and audio clip that, like, people are going to laugh at and, and get behind, because it's Vanderbilt, no one cares, it's like, you're right about everything you said about the schedule, they're not world beaters, but you know who Vanderbilt plays next week? I have it right here in the schedule, they play, uh, nobody. Exactly. We will forget about this when they go play South Carolina and get beat by them, and then Florida and get beat by them. They won't win again until the 23rd of November when they play ETSU. So this is like his moment of being like, hey, I don't want to lose my job. I want this job. Things have been bad, but people are going to forget about this, and it's only going to be looked at in a positive light
0: until – They, you know, for the next two weeks. Basically, it was a message to his AD, Malcolm Turner, who's in his first year on the job. I I, I get all that, and I would have, I would have liked the rant a little bit more had he just said, "I'm so proud of my team." Yeah, came out when you know people are questioning whether or not they're going to be ready to go for the for the second half of the season, and they showed up with a different kind of fight that they've had this entire year. I'm so proud of my team. Blah blah blah. That I think that was the point he was trying to make. I just think that the, the the part about like don't doubt us. We're, we're going to doubt you. We're, we're gonna yeah, doubt no, you. and I'm going to continue to doubt whether or not Derek Mason's the right man for the job based on what we've seen so far this year. Because if this is just a one-off, then cool. What does that really right. change about this entire direction of the program? Just if, just if
1: I if I challenge you to a run and you beat me nine out of ten times, and then sprained your ankle and, <laughs> and pooped your pants, and I ended up beating you by like I don't know seven seconds and ran like an 11 minute mile and I was like that's what I thought Connor that's like that that's the wrong time to be talking trash I I will say and and, yeah anyway
0: let's do okay so we're gonna before we do one thing I liked we're gonna take a quick break to give our Facebook page our our unbelievable Facebook page a nice little plug so hold on we'll get to the rest of one thing I liked we're gonna get some week nine lines in a minute If you have not yet, please, please, please make sure that you join the Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook. A lot of great stuff there. Funny memes that are being posted. A lot of good game threads. Marla will randomly just go on rants or something like that. They get a lot of interaction. Sometimes we'll do the, the ask me anything or something like that. It's been a lot of fun. The Facebook page is up over two thousand people there. It is invite only. It is a closed community. We want to keep you know we don't necessarily want people you know posting their about stuff about their agendas or whatever it is. Just a fun place to talk about college football, not only in the SEC but just across college football. We've got some great people facilitating discussions and stuff. It's been a lot of fun to continue to see this grow. So if you have not yet, please join our Facebook group, the Saturday Down South podcast on Facebook. Do it right now. One thing that I liked about the other two games in the SEC, Auburn and Arkansas, the single worst fake punt in the history of college football. We were treated to that. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved the fact that it basically was a Dr. Pepper challenge chess pass that we saw from Sam Loy, the Arkansas punter. If you have not seen this yet, whatever you did on Saturday – this is more worth your time than any of that. I, I promise you. This was just, watching it back, I, I don't know why they could have practiced that for two weeks and thought, yep, this is going to work. Or how he passed in practice if it was always a chest pass like that. I, I so many questions about this. We did, need oral history
1: on it. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? A, like a thirty for thirty on on this. On this I, that's one. what I
0: tweeted at them. I tweeted at Did thirty for <laughs> thirty. I said I said here you go. Here's some great content for you. you know was weird too because
1: there was several uh, fake punch yesterday. West Virginia ran one. It was uh, in the air, man. What's that? What's that? It was in. Oh, the it was air. in the air. Yeah, they they fake ran one in the like second quarter and, and they they converted it. Georgia Tech. If, listen, if you haven't seen Georgia Tech's punter, you that is a treat. That is a treat. It, he's like he looks like he could have played offensive line for Paul Johnson's triple option offense. Chonk? It's, it's, yes, very chunk. Um By the way, I'm really upset by the, that we didn't bring up Bama's new punter not once. He's the best player in America.
0: No. it's going to move right past uh, that. I, I no, so,
1: but when he, did he yell, "Ooh" when he threw it? Because it, like, it looked, I, I made the, the tweet about how it, it's like if you're picking up your dog's poop, and then all of a sudden, and I've never, <laughs> I've never had more, like, inner turmoil and, like, like, just doubted myself. I was like, I, I, everyone's going to know this is me tweeting this, and everyone also is going to, like, no one's going to like this. Like, poop jokes? Can't make him poop jokes. <laughs> and it was like, if you pick up your dog's poop, and then all of a sudden, like, he gets in your finger, and you're like, ow! Like, I I don't know what happened
0: here. It was bad.
1: It was I pictured
0: bad. when he let go of the ball, he said, Kobe. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it did, it did not work, needless to say. It was an interception. One of the, just the, the more... Ah, what's comedically satisfying plays I've seen in all of sports really. Yeah. Because to think that that play was going to work and that was going to be the thing that that sort of turned it around for Arkansas, just that was cute. Just bless bless their hearts. It was adorable. Um but in all seriousness, I did like seeing the way that Auburn's defense responded in that game. Like seeing Anthony Schwartz involved early and often in that game plan. By the way, Marlon Davidson. Oh my gosh. That if people are just if people are still sleeping on Marlon Davidson, they shouldn't be that is a man child just yeah. an absolute unit i would not want to get in the way of marlon davis I, that
1: whole they looked they looked it was kind of like i was i was shocked that that this line was where it was at beforehand and like the first half line was 10 and a half and i was like are we just handing out money today like what is there 14 and nothing
0: in the first 3 minutes or 4 yeah. minutes of the game and was, Arkansas, i Arkansas mean, Arkansas got the ball to start <laughs> right yeah matter. they had a turnover in the first
1: 2 minutes it, was, it made it since we got sirens here we go let's close this thing out nice. like strong um i i was just like, I was very impressed with what I saw from Auburn. They scored two minute, or two touchdowns in 22 seconds. I did like what they did with Anthony Schwartz, and I thought Bo Nix looked better. I was in, I was surprised they used Gatewood as much.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of get it. They, they, wanna, they don't want to have necessarily Bo Nix hurt before LSU. Yeah. They, Auburn still has some big, big games in the schedule. Yeah. They still have LSU, Georgia, and Bama. Gosh, it's amazing that they still have such huge tests coming up in the final six weeks of the season here. Let's move on to A&M Ole Miss. So, a little peel behind the onion here. And, Doc, I actually have something about Texas A&M's defense putting the clamps down on Ole Miss. We both predicted Ole Miss to win this game. Yeah, I like that. You know what I liked even more than that? I loved, loved Tom Hart's call oh of the God. Jerry and Ealy touchdown. 69-yard touchdown. Nice. To have and then bad. he just let it sit. That was oh, awesome. So I saw you tweet good. that,
1: and I was like, I, like, I t- like, I woke up to that this morning, and I was cracking up, because to have that presence of mind... God, Tom Hart is the GOAT, man. He's, he is a legend. If you guys don't follow him on Instagram, follow him on Instagram as well, yes, he, he's a great. he follow. has a... Uh, he, like, walked his dog the other day. It's this adorable golden retriever, and um, he just, like, had, like a, like, a rap playlist playing the entire time. I was like, oh, look at you, man. The street cred is on fire. And he's like, that's not me. That's Sadie or whatever the dog's name is. It's hilarious. I was I was... One thing I didn't like about this... And and like I had it on like simultaneously with the Bama game, I did not like the way Ole Miss ran this offense.
0: No, and 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 I don't like the two quarterback system either. I've said that before. I still don't like it. I know, I know. John Rice Plumlee struggled throwing the ball. I think he had something like two and a half yards per attempt. And they're bringing in Mackerel in these throwing situations. I still don't like it. I just yeah. want to see John Rice Plumley have the entire offense. I just want to see him devoted to it because they, they really struggled down the stretch. And we're gonna to get to Rich Rod had, a little bit later. Yeah, it might they, had so
1: time, they had so many times. They had so many times that they they could have. They, they had a lot of opportunities to win this game, and it, it was very frustrating to to see them
0: not not be able to pull that off. Credit the AM and m defense, Mike Elko, yeah. guy who I've praised a lot for winning a game that we didn't th- think that they would win. A M and finally beats a, a Power Five team that we think is at least halfway decent, and I being think. able to impose their will a little bit on, in the ground game, a little bit like yes. late in the fourth quarter, especially was
1: just, that was credit. Yeah, credit to Texas A&M. I did not think that was going to happen.
0: Our locks of the week, uh, it, it was it was a mixed bag. We'll, we'll say that we forgot to do this on Wednesday right after we hang up on the pod. I said to Marler, I'm "Like, oh crap." I forgot to do locks of the week. That's not good. And then I, I, I just I spin zone into okay. We're gonna adopt a new strategy. We're gonna keep kind of quiet. We'll tweet it out really late right. before the games and hope that that pays off. We're not as boisterous about it. Yeah. it didn't work out for me. It did not work out. Well, for Well, I had Penn State minus nine and they won by seven. And it I was very surprised. Uh, frustrated by that. me. I. I, I really thought that what we saw early on too, it was looking like it, like Penn State was going to be able to cover in that game early yeah. on, and then Michigan. Credit to them, they played really well in the second half. dropped pass away from tying that game up, potentially forcing overtime. But yeah, my lock did not hit.
1: Well, it was it was one of those things that you know maybe I don't know people have hated on Michigan like ever since they, that blowout loss to Wisconsin, but they've kind of earned it at this point. I think Harbaugh's oh they I absolutely they have. Earned it. But yep. like so I, I get where the pick was coming from. Where I was frustrated was and this is my own fault is like. Okay, I'm like looking at him like, okay, well, we, I have this, this, and this to do, and we're still trying to pack, and we have this, and you guys know that like my organizational skills are not great, and so I was like, all right, we got to move this stuff into the house. We we have a closing on Thursday, we have time to do this. I, and, like we have to make the graphic, and I gotta I gotta look at these picks, and then I was like, oh crap, Ohio State's kicking off on Friday night, and you know one of my locks is gonna be that Ohio State yep. first half. So then I'm like panic rushing. I was like, well, these look these still look pretty good. I thought about putting LSU in there. Um... Georgia obviously cost me. That I shouldn't have put that in there. The 23.5 points was a lot. But um, And Clemson, they really bailed us out because Clemson scored a touchdown. With like that. They looked awful in the first half.
0: So you don't have children yet. I, this is related to Ohio State. You None don't have children too, yet. I know that. But I'm just going to make a bold statement and say that you love betting on Ohio State in the first half more than you're going to love your firstborn child.
1: Dude, Like at some point, they will, Vegas will catch up. And and they will like this week the the line was seventeen and a half which is the highest it's been by more than seven points the whole year, and Vegas will figure it out at some point. So, but but I've been saying this since like what the second week in Cincinnati, when I made this bet when there was it was only nine and a half points. Yeah. And and I I shouldn't have gotten so aggressive with like the first half because it was like the first quarter it was like seven points that's that's a lot, but they made the they made the point at halftime they were up thirty one to three on Northwestern and Northwestern's bad, but like Real bad. they. They've outscored opponents 231 to 31 in the first half of games this year. That is plus 200 total in a scoring margin. That's an average good. score of 38 and a half to 5.2. So you're you're beating people by basically 33 points every. Like the average margin in the first half is 33 points.
0: Money in the bank. Yeah. Easy yeah. enough. We will remember to do our our locks of the week on Wednesday this week. We will definitely not forget those. Let's talk some week nine lines. Only five games in the SEC, but closer games, at least based on my initial lines than what we're expecting. Some of these will be. Mississippi State travels to College Station. I'm thinking coming off of – and I'm coming off the win against Ole Miss. Eight-and-a-half point favorite at home.
1: Um, uh, That's fair. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. I'm I'm going to say –
0: Oh, they're at home too. Given how much Mississippi State has struggled on the road, losing to Tennessee by ten on the yeah. road, I think that that's got to factor into it. Otherwise, I would have said something more like four and a half, five. But I, I think that's going to be bigger than a touchdown.
1: I'm going to say it's it's going to be around ten. I don't know. I mean, like I shouldn't even weigh in on this because you're so much better at it. But I'll
0: say I'll say like nine and a half, ten. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's fair. South Carolina, Tennessee. I this this is going to be. This is going to be a, a very small spread because I think we've seen some progress out of Tennessee, dare I say. I think the defense has actually played yep. better. South Carolina on the road, two-and-a-half point
1: favorite. Um, so I know this opened in the summer at Tennessee being favored by one, and I guess I'm assuming Moore is going to be out, right?
0: Probably, Mauer's probably going to be out because he's had, two, what is it, like three really, really hard hits in the first couple weeks, in the first Essentially, three yeah. games that he's played in. I, 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 don't know. I don't know how much that's going to really matter for this, but he's yeah, I'm just out of like three games. Him. I feel like, it, like I mean, and, and I know. I mean, that was scary.
1: It was a very scary moment because Brian yeah. Greasy, especially when he was uh, half watching the game he was calling, and then also half watching the Michigan Penn State game. Admittedly, in the booth, I'm um, not a
0: multitask like a millennial, Brian Greasy. How about that?
1: Or you know what? Just don't say if you if you're going to be so arrogant to be like, yeah, we're we're definitely watching that game. I get it. But if you're going to be that arrogant, you better know everything else that's going on in this game. Like, yeah. he, he argued everything. He was awful. Um, it was like dealing with me, I feel like. So he, um, I, I will say, I guess three and a half. This could be a, I don't think it'll be a pick em. I think Vegas is probably too high on South Carolina. If, if it was five and a half
0: with Florida at home, I'll say, I'll say three and a half. I think you're probably right on it. Gave South Carolina a lot of respect. A lot of respect in that spread against Florida, where you thought it was going to be much, much higher. And. Well, I mean, I think that South Carolina showed for the second straight yeah. against a top-ten opponent that it can hang with, with anybody now. Arkansas and Alabama. I say this as this is a very, very tough, tough line to figure just because to right. is, is going to be out in all likelihood for this. That has been made 100% official as of this recording, but we expect Mac Jones. Who? Mac Jones! Who? Um, we expect him to be starting in this game. I'm going to throw out the number that you hate. Don't Bama Bama minus twenty five. I was gonna say twenty seven and a half, twenty eight and a half.
1: Okay, I think twenty eight and a half will probably be exactly where it's at because Arkansas is, is still that bad.
0: Yeah, watch watch Arkansas hang around in the first half though. Watch watch that happen just because college football is apparently random and we Aids just me. can't figure out anything. Mizzou and Kentucky, Kentucky. We don't know what the quarterback situation is looking like as well with. Lynn Bowden, we we loved what he did against Arkansas, but we saw how one-dimensional the offense was, not completing a pass until late in the fourth quarter against Georgia. We don't know if Sawyer Smith is going to return to quarterback and have Lynn Bowden at receiver. Even though Mizzou's coming off the loss, I think Mizzou is a road favorite in Lexington. I think Mizzou is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I'm going to say 11-and-a-half. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be a lot bigger bigger than that. Even though Mizzou hasn't beat anybody on the road yet. No, I mean, well,
1: I, I totally get that. Um, however, this is also still a revenge game from last year. Barry Odom is... Yep. is uh, and I don't want to make an excuse for, um, for what happened to Mizzou at all, but I, it would be nice. And this, again, this is not an excuse, but it would be nice for that team to have some sort of like clear picture of what their uh, postseason...
0: Bull band is going to be, so they can know what they're playing for. I, as I'll right say now, though, a half. the appeal the appeal hasn't been heard, and our, our good buddy Tony Barnhart tweeted this out a little clarity on that situation. As long as the appeal hasn't been ruled upon, Mizzou can still technically play in the postseason. That's the weird thing. The NCAA hasn't okay. come out and 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 ruled on the appeal, so theoretically, all the postseason stuff is still up in the air. Now, obviously, that that is subject to change. We expect it to change. They're not just going to let this roll through in right. March or something like that. But take that for what it is. Arkansas, all right, we already did that one. My bad. We're on the last game. We're on Auburn and LSU, the game that we are going to be at, allegedly. LSU at home, CBS game, 330. LSU minus 14 and a half?
1: I was going to say 10 and a half. Okay. It's, and, so, and, and I think it's going to be a good game. I definitely think that. Um, I Like, this is different than the Bama one. Like, for Bama, I'm not trying to disrespect Arkansas fans. This, I'm going to treat this like a Week 13 game. I just hope no injuries happen. Right, for yeah, that's for LSU, I think, you know, you want to you want to just continue to do what you've done all season. But this Auburn team is going to be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. And and again, like, you know, there is there is part of that like look ahead. Like it's it's I don't know how up LSU is going to be for this. This is a revenge game for Auburn after last year's last second field goal they lost at home. So I would say around ten and a half.
0: I expect Auburn to show up in this one. Yeah. I don't expect it to be quite as lopsided. We'll get to our picks later in the week, but. Vegas is showing LSU a lot of love. That's why I went a little bit aggressive on on the 14-and-a-half prediction for that. Speaking of LSU, Coach O, you heard a lot of cowbells over the weekend. I imagine hearing cowbells, if you're hungover, is just about the worst thing in the world that you can possibly have to subject yourself to. Kyle! Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm I'm, I'm good. I don't have a headache like you might.
2: Kyle, throw throw a little so. Throw a little soul. we coming to Joe Burrow throwing a thousand, thousand touchdown passes. Already breaking all the records. I do. I'm going to take today off. You boy coming in town. Okay, you coming in town that weekend. Yes, we are. If you come in town, you bring cowbell. We're going to have a problem. I don't get cowbell unless it's dinner time. You keep ringing that thing like, I'm going to come inside. It's time for lunch. It's time for dinner. Time for some gumbo. Nothing. you just ringing the cowbell for no reason. Ain't no cow. Why call cowbell?
0: That's a great point. I think we're what, gonna have to do some Wikipedia research on that.
2: What the deal, we're great in us. They're not great. Then you, I like, you like Seinfeld? I do like Seinfeld.
0: You, you don't strike me as a Seinfeld
2: guy. I watch TV. Every night before I go to bed, we do puppetry arts. We, we do a little live puppets every night for entertainment. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest my voice. I'm gonna rest my voice for the weekend when you boys in town. I'm gonna let Matt Lou take over. Hey, Connor, Matt Luke here, Ole Miss head coach. Oh, Ole my Miss gosh. Head, Ole Miss head coach of a football team. We had a tough loss yesterday, but I think, as long, you know, we got everything still in front of us. Three three and five, is we're right where we want to be. Wow. Whoa. So, so
1: many people here to ones. help us move.
0: So many people here to help us move. You you picked a couple of good ones, too. Matt Luke would be the perfect person to have come move everything out of your yeah. out of your place. Wow. I – I'm I'm stunned. I, I, think I mean, Matt I am Luf, too,
1: and I know that everyone appreciated that uh, more than anything. So you're welcome that they both were here today. I can't. You know what? Ed talks next week.
0: It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so fantastic. Good. We're excited to be making the trip to Baton Rouge. Our first trip to Baton Rouge is that is that right? Yeah. First uh, trip yeah. I've never
1: been there. I, I yeah, mean, as long as we avoid Tree fort, we're fine.
0: Yeah, we're good. We're all just not drive through it I don't know I haven't looked at a map in New Orleans if that goes through no
1: well legally we can't so this is we need to make sure we avoid that
0: <laughs> it might mean too much I alluded to this earlier Rich Rod had another press box blow up and it was fantastic if you have not seen it yet it's on Twitter it's we, we had we had the story as well on SDS he in these little fits of rage that he gets, and his team was down twenty-four to fourteen. They struggled really down the stretch. They were scoreless in the last five possessions. The offense just was not looking like he was hoping it would. He in this, this little thirty-second clip was capable of murder. I, I don't yeah. think that's. I, I don't think that's overstating it. I think it that he could stop. have killed someone. He just kept going and going, and then at the end, when he had that little punch. I, I thought he was thinking that he had somebody in front of him when he was doing that. I
1: honestly, I like, it, it, it was one of those things where it's like they, the camera caught it for a second, and you thought it was going to be over, and it just kept going. It Did just you notice didn't you there's stop. less
0: people? There's less people around him, too, now. And I wonder if Rich Rod freaking out. there's sort of, people are distancing themselves, or maybe Ole Miss oh, side yeah. decided we're just going to quarantine him because yeah. he, he needs to just kind of be in his own space in these moments. He's I would not want to be time. with him. Yeah, I would not want to be with 100 feet of Rich Rod no. when he's mad like that. He was He was, terrifying. He was
1: pretty, pretty terrifying for, I mean, like, most of the season, but, yeah, yesterday especially.
0: Good God. Could we just get a Rich Rod cam? Is that too much to ask? That
1: is way too, I don't want that. I don't need that in my life. I can't. I, I, uh, the entertainment is great. Emotionally, I can't handle that. I'll be honest. That, that would be way too much for me. He's, he's had, out of his mind.
0: I feel like I don't see Rich Rod celebrate, though. I want to see Rich Rod celebrating a touchdown, too. It's probably not that much different.
1: No, I'm sure it's not. Like he, he seems like the kind of guy that like, li- like probably turns up like a lot of like five finger death punch or something like that. Like and just like goes down to his basement and does push ups. Like he, he's a, he's a lot. He, he's like basically every JV linebacker from your high school team that you never want to be friends with outside of your team. He Definitely was,
0: does karate on the side
1: a little. Oh bit. yeah, but not yeah. good. It's like he learned it from like Randy's karate in like a strip mall. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, my favorite tweet of this was, I think it was Bunky Perkins tweeted that this is him. Watching Rich Rod every time Rich Rod's on TV. Like that, that's that's where the frustration was with the fans. That's really funny.
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. As I said earlier, make sure that you have if you have not yet joined our Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. A lot of great stuff there. If you have not given us a five-star review yet, please, please do that. Tell all your friends who listen, tell people who don't listen, just give us a five-star review and just hear from us. We'll get to five-star reviews later this week. Marlar, Facebook Live Monday, and I'm guessing Saturday is going to be difficult with us on the road. No, we will still it. Uh, Monday, so do it. Monday, it'll be Monday
1: and Saturday, so it'll be. And I've already teased it that uh, when we do it Saturday, it'll be live from Baton Rouge, so we don't have to do it now. Wow, so okay, we will
0: definitely do that. We're going to be staying in New Orleans.
1: New Orleans, yeah, we are. We're staying with my friend Maria Vitali. Pretty pumped about that. Um, she's one of my oldest friends. We worked her at Houston's, and
0: she like lives like right in the. The French Quarter—that's that's the place to be. From yes. what I've told, from what I'm told. Make sure that you follow us on all forms of social media: on Instagram, Saturday Down South, on Twitter at the SBS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ right. Garrett. Subscribe to the newsletter—great, great stuff. Get all of your college football content there. Adam Spencer is doing a great job with that. Yeah, M- Marler, Cocho, uh, Matt Luke, whoever is in the room with you. What do we need to remind? Hey Connor, here's the deal, about it. Hey, my turn. It might be too much. Talk to you later this week.